Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Threepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What's good? What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Hogshaven Podcast, powered by SB Nation. You can find us at hogshaven.com, at hogshaven on Twitter and on Facebook. I am your host, Molly Maul. Jamal Forrest, you can find me on Twitter at Let Maul Tell It. Do not forget the you. Look, you know why we here today. 23 to 10. Commanders take care of business at Houston on the road uh, and what people consider the letdown spot for uh, for Washington, a possible trap game for Washington. And, um, at the end of the day, they just handle business. And if you if you kind of look at things on paper right heading into this game, we talked about this um, last week leading up into this game. This is a team in the commanders where everything on paper tells you that this game should not be close. Like everything on this on on paper should have told you that this game should not be close, um, and and for the concern I think stemmed from the fact that Washington and Washington fans and Washington media are so rightfully so, right? Rightfully so. I am not discrediting anybody, but I think where it got built up in terms of the noise, in terms of the 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 possibility of failing against Houston. I think all of this got built up from past trauma, knowing that Washington has these letdown spots. But if you understand and if you listen to Rivers McCown on our preview show, this team is ass. <laughs> the Houston Texans were bad, man. And um, I think that's the most important thing when you kind of come to grips with what this situation was for the commanders. Um, I think one of the best things that was said or, or understanding uh, the best things about this this game was the defense, right? Uh, five sacks on the day, two turnovers, one defensive touchdown, 10 points allowed, 21 yards allowed on the ground, 148 total yards allowed on the day. Um, several pressures, man. Uh, Deron Payne, John Allen, Montez Sweat all did their things. They got in on the sack party. <laughs> got in on the sack party, man. Uh, it was a good day for these guys. Uh, Kendall, Pull- Kendall Fuller started off the party with a pick six on the Texans opening drive. Um, and, and as you continue to understand what Kendall Fuller does for this defense, um, I, I think, you know, what's my biggest gripe, uh, if, especially if you all listen, right? My biggest gripe has always been about understanding Kendall Fuller's athletically challenged in a sense, right? It's certain cornerbacks, certain matchups that's going to cause him issues. It's going to be certain situations that's going to cause him issues. However, if you get that man with eyes on quarterback, if you get that man in a position to be successful in terms of breaking up plays and, and reading route combinations and reading situations like that, he is a dog. And he took a pick 
uh, in a situation where the Texans were trying to implement hurry up in the beginning stages of this game to try to get Washington uh, essentially tired and off balance and, and out of whack. Uh, Kendall Fuller shut it down very early with his pick six um, and, and, and was able to read the speed out that Brandon Cooks ran and uh, Davis Mills just uh, just didn't understand that that route was not available to him. I think that's the most simplest way to understand that thing. So he started off the party on the defense side of the football. Uh, that entire first half was incredible in terms of uh, the ineptitude by Houston Texans, but also the defense, dominant day by the defense. They had uh, six total yards minus the nil down on the Texans' first half drives. The Texans accumulated only six six total yards. Um, it was just an overwhelming uh defense they dominated and, and overmatched the offense and the quarterback on the other side of the ball um for for houston and i think this conversation is important for washington as well what really hurt houston is the fact that davis mills is who he is but secondly knowing that you know houston only wants to establish the ground game obviously they have a really good running back uh in pierce right you cannot take that away from them um, but when you have a one-dimensional offense and an offense that just isn't that good to begin with, right, they they have issues establishing the ground game. Damian Pierce just takes off. He makes plays. Um, but when you have a, a defense that's solid in the run game, but uh, and you're going up against an offense who wants to give their, their best player in Damian Pierce, who was a running back, the ball, uh, it becomes an easier option for these guys to, to shut that down and force Davis Mills to make throws to beat them. Um, and unfortunately for Houston, they weren't able to do anything they weren't able to establish the ground game. Uh, they were getting beat off the ball uh, at the point of attack. Uh, and then, obviously, Davis Mills uh, was struggling for a good portion of the game. And that's what really hurt these guys. Uh, Derek Forrest, um, obviously, with a, a a very good diving interception um, and, and, and very good ability or, let's say, awareness. I think that's the best way to say it very good awareness to sideline awareness to really understand that um, he has to find a way to get himself in bounds off of the deflection of Benjamin St. Juice, right. Um, to, to snag that interception. Um, so I, I think what's the most important thing when you look at that play is not just the interception by itself, right. It is an ode to Derek Forrest. It is an ode to the defensive coordinator um, and understanding where this defense is, right. Uh, last week, we mentioned that Ron Rivera was impressed of how Jack Dittrell became more trusting of his younger guys and giving these guys roles that he is uh, like shows that he instilled confidence in them. Uh, Jamin Davis is a, a person who's two weeks in a row now has, ran, has worn the green dot for this defense, right? It's a very good day uh, for, for Jamin and, and how he's able to, um, you know, continue developing as a linebacker, a second year linebacker at that. Uh, but the point is, uh, you move Bobby McCain down in the box. You're able to, excuse me, let me be more clear. You move Bobby McCain down uh, into the slot and you're giving Derek Forrest opportunities as a free safety uh, because of his range, but then also because of his ability to become a threat when the ball is in the air. Like if, if quarterbacks want to take that risk downfield in the area in which uh, Derek Forrest is, or if you want to chest him and say, all right, I trust my guy more than I trust his ability to close on this, on this play or close on this ball, he's making people pay. Last week it was AJ Brown and Jalen Hurst. This week it's Brandon Cooks uh, and 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 uh, Davis Mills. And I think that's the most important thing to understand, like the difference maker from a center fielder standpoint, right? This is not a, a negative uh, a knock on Bobby McCain, right? Bobby McCain has has been in position often. 
is what he does at the catch point. And that's kind of what is making everything stand out from that perspective is knowing that Jack Del Rio trusts Derek Forrest to have that responsibility as a single high safety or a person who's roaming back there because he has the speed and range to do so. But then he's also being able to make plays when the ball is in the air. That is important. And that is very good for a young defense who is, who at times really didn't have that solid safety combination. And now they have three and, and Bobby McCain is, has found himself a home. Derek Forrest has found himself a home. And obviously Benjamin St. Juice, uh, he's good enough to, to the point in which he can travel uh, from inside to outside uh, and make plays for this defense, obviously uh, contributing to that interception for Derek Forrest. So that was really good. Um, offensively, uh, yeah. <laughs> let, let me go with some notes and then we'll talk about kind of some things that that really uh, bothered me, right? I think that's the best way to say it. But some notes, man. Curtis Samuel, uh, a difference maker, a drive extender. I think we've known that, but uh, it continues to pop up as this, this season goes along. And I think what really helps Curtis Samuel and what helps this offense is understanding that when you are in a bind and you need a spark, he's a guy who could potentially get that to you uh, because of the creative ways in which he gets the ball. It's not a traditional handoff all the time. Um, he can get you some some jet sweeps. He can get you, I mean, obviously some handoffs, right? But he can get you some jet sweeps. He can get you some quick throws. Um, he can get you some routes, right? Um, it's it's a variety of ways. And then obviously the, the, the traditional handoffs. Uh, he he has a, a way of getting the football or getting the football in his hands and having uh, getting some tough yards or some yards that other people cannot create. Um, and, and I think for all the worth of, or talk about him being a gadget player, I think there is levels of being a gadget player, and this guy is a person who's able to um, do several things for this offense, um, and that's that's a really good sight to see. Logan Thomas, uh, another person who had a solid day. We talked about him heading into the game, right? Um, four catches, I think, for 57 yards in the first half. He ends up with five catches for 64, 65 yards, some very tough catches on the day, some diving ones, some contested passes. Um, I think he's starting to feel a little bit more comfortable. That. I think we said that last week or uh, leading into this game that he's feeling more comfortable in himself. And, and I think that's a really good thing moving down the stretch because now if Logan can stack some games together health-wise, you're talking about a person in uh, Cole Turner, John Bates, Armani Rogers, where these are a solid four core. And you have to find a way um, to get them all involved. Like you can you can be creative, but you have to find a way. And and who knows if all four are going to be active moving forward, if all four are healthy. I don't think that'll be the case. Um, I really don't, unless you have one that's significantly playing special team snaps, right? Um, and even still, like that third, that that person playing special teams is probably gonna be that third uh tight end. Um, you have to figure out a place to put um people elsewhere. So that's gonna be interesting moving forward. But Logan Thomas, welcome back. Um, I think he is officially uh, officially back. Um, and it's not the fact that he just played the Houston Texans. It's more so the fact that his athletic traits for what he did have um, in 2020 and 2021, that is kind of the more uh, pressing matter right here is that he's starting to feel himself again. And that's really good for a team that's in the playoff hunt. Quarterback, man. I, I think for – and before we even get to Taylor, too, sorry. Um, 40 carries, 153 yards on the day um really uh you had 36 let me see my math right oh lord god bless me uh i'm not even gonna do the math 
And you know what? If y'all make fun of me, I ain't like y'all anyway. Um, <laughs> 18 carries for Gibson, 15 carries for Robinson, two carries for Samuel. So obviously you see that. Uh, it's still a it's still a, a really good number. Only 27 passes for Jalen Heineke. So that 40 uh, total rushes to 27 passes is, is a very good thing. And the fact that they were able to do 40 plus in back-to-back games kind of shows you where their head is at um, from an actual uh, uh, balance standpoint and execution standpoint. Uh, truthfully, though, when I mentioned that the conversation about the run game for Houston can apply to Washington as well, um, they didn't really do too well on the ground game throughout the game, right? You obviously had a couple cool runs here and there, right? Double-digit runs in terms of like 10-plus yards. Um, the longest one was only 18 on the day. But Washington was under four yards of carry again. And obviously, I think the like 3.8 to be specific. And I think that for all it's worth understanding that, you know, the rushing attempts are important and the yardage is important, right? I'm not taking away from that. I think that's what really truly prohibited Washington from it, from getting anything going today. Um, again, if you think about it, that that was a pick six, right? So essentially, Washington puts up 16 points on the day. <laughs> um, so you put up 16 points on offense, um, and you really what you got shut out in terms of the end zone in the second half. So three points uh, in the third quarter. I mean, in the fourth quarter, early in the fourth quarter. Uh, you're essentially looking at a, a 13 to 10 game if there is no pick six for a, for a little while. And, and my point of bringing that up is you weren't establishing anything on the ground for a good portion of the game. Um, you had a couple hit runs here and there, but ultimately three of 13 on third down. One of four in the red zone. Uh, granted, that fourth red zone trip was the one where they ultimately kneeled down. So one of three in the red zone. Uh, when the game actually mattered and all of these things need to be taken into account as you continue to move forward this is a one and eight houston texas team one eight and one houston texas team it makes sense for them to go two of 13 on third down it makes sense for them to go uh uh one for two or not go 100 in the red zone and have two turnovers all of that makes sense um and Again, let's have another flashback. I did not say that this team, like, it's a reason why the spread was three points for Washington. Yes, they covered, right? Uh, and it's good that they, they really didn't have any, like, they didn't break any sweat against Houston. That's all important. But I think all of that is to be said in, in that um, Washington still isn't a convincing offensive team. And that has a lot to do with the quarterback position. That has a lot to do with the ability to establish anything or, or establish any rhythm on third down or in, on drives, and, and that really hurts that team. So um, for all of the good uh, defensively, you're still running to the same issues uh, on the offensive side of the football. But last thing on this post game, because, again, it wasn't really too eventful, right? Um, the, the, most, the, the bigger things happened on the defensive side of the football. We, we covered all that. Um, and all of that is important, right? In terms of just seeing uh, Kendall Fuller make some plays and just seeing Sweat Payne and Allen all have good days on the same day, and obviously seeing Derek Forrest and Benjamin St. Juice continue to climb in terms of their importance to this off to this defense. Excuse me, all of that is good. And I guess, uh, in that in that same vein, let's give an ode to special teams again. Um, <laughs> uh, you get your guy Joey Slot go three for three on field goals, two for two on extra points for a total of 11 points. 
Um, that's two weeks in a row where he goes perfect um, on the day. So all of that is good. But let's go ahead and transition to uh, the conversation from Ron Rivera post game about Taylor Heineke and his prospects <laughs> as starting quarterback for the Washington Commanders. Well, uh, and then your favorite question on the quarterbacks: Do you have the plan now with um, with we're, Taylor? We're we're gonna we're gonna go with Taylor, and um, we'll. Um, you know, we'll work Carson back in and see where Carson is in terms of, of, of if he's ready to be the backup, and then we'll go from there. What were those conversations like? They were very good. With, with Carson in particular, obviously he didn't come here to be a backup, but it, was he generally right. understanding? He was very good. He really was. What was it Taylor has shown you to lead you to this decision? Um, winning. I mean, that's, that's the truth of the matter. I mean, yeah. you know, that's where we are right now. So... There is Ron Rivera post game answering questions about Taylor Heineke and Carson Wentz. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, at the end of the day, I think we knew there is like we knew the path in which this was going. Um, anytime that you go, I think this is a, a matter for like free agency. This is a matter for coaches. That is a this is a, an important matter for all of the people who are doing evaluating and decision making in the NFL in terms of roster decisions. Winning is important. Um, and while we all know that Taylor Heineke wasn't the sole reason or the, the number one reason for why Washington is four and one with him as a starter, right? He's four and one as a starter. And that is important. Like, I don't think that you can confidently say Washington is in position to win four out of their last five games, um, with Carson Wentz as your starter. I think there's situations that you don't see Carson Wentz getting out of just from the pocket standpoint or from a processing standpoint. Uh, that stuff gets him in trouble. But to the point and point, point of conversation from Robert Rivera, um, he's the QB one for now, right? We're going with Taylor Heineke for now. And, and I think that kind of, you know, just dives into my, my theory that, uh, yes, I think they're more interested in getting Carson healthy before they force anything back, especially because uh, Taylor Heineke is winning. But that minute that Carson Wentz is ready to go and that finger is healthy, right, is the moment that the clock starts ticking for Taylor Heineke. So whenever that Carson Wentz ends up being the backup, whether it's next week or two weeks from now, doesn't matter. But whenever he's back is when the clock starts ticking for Taylor Heineke. There is not that much production going on on the offensive side of football, especially through the air. Um, you're not converting third downs any different any differently than, than when Carson Wentz was on the field. Like they want Taylor. I mean, excuse me, they want Carson on the field, but they're not stupid. They understand what Taylor is doing for this offense. And I think that's the biggest thing to understand when he says that we're going with Taylor for now is that it was too obvious to say anything else to say anybody else. There is no conversation about Sam house. So who all that we're thinking about him can, you all can pipe that down because Washington is in a playoff hunt. Uh, the season isn't going to be over um, before mid-December. So at least is where I'm getting at. That's what I meant to say. So you don't have to worry about Sam Howell anytime soon. It's really Carson Wentz or it's really Taylor Heineke. That's a part of this conversation for now. And I think that he made the right decision. I think he made the obvious decision. Um, and I think for 
Washington moving forward and, and Taylor Heineke moving forward, I think that the clock is ticking on him to really uh, uh, change or improve his play. Uh, and, and today I don't really, really think it was a, a terrible game, right? 15 to 27, 191 yards. Um, he had some key, excuse me, key third down conversion throws to Logan Thomas, Terry McLaurin, Cam Sims. Um, actually, I don't think Cam Sims was third down. More so, just within the rhythm of the two-minute drill in the first half. Um, but he's had he had some really good throws on the day. Uh, but ultimately, when you play a better team, and if this offense isn't really that efficient in the air, is where the problems come in. So for Taylor Heineke, he's gonna have to step his game up because the competition really doesn't get any worse moving out. Right? You have uh, Atlanta up next, which is uh, in playoff contention. Then you immediately have the Giants in two straight games, then San Francisco. So these are all teams that's within the playoff race, right? And then obviously your last game uh, is the Dallas Cowboys with Cleveland right before that. And, and Cleveland's not in playoff contention. So to my point, uh, that you got to improve your play, Taylor, <laughs> because I'm, I'm pretty sure they're going to be interested in bringing in. Um, they're going to be interested in bringing in. Uh, Carson Wentz if things don't work out well on that side of things so overall like I said today against Houston you got the job done very good on the Atlanta next and we'll see how this team continues moving forward with Taylor Heineke at quarterback but also from a defensive standpoint how they're able to uh, keep this team in the playoff hunt so that's going to go ahead and wrap it up for this quick post game edition of the Commanders' 23-10 win against the Houston Texans. Uh, y'all take it easy. Enjoy the rest of y'all day whenever you are listening. Or enjoy the rest of y'all night whenever you're listening. <laughs> uh, and yeah, until next time, man. Peace.